Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome to Valley Lights Church. You just saw a little roll in for momentum. This is the message series that we're in today. Last week, we started this series. Uh, it's, a, it's a new series where we're, we're covering some biblical principles that help you build spiritual momentum in your own life and some things that we can do to generate some huge organizational momentum in our own church, in our church for us to grow and for us to accomplish the mission that God has given us. So I'm really glad that you've joined us here today. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor. And if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I'd love to after service. But when we practice the biblical principles that we'll be discussing throughout this series, we all get to play a part in God's plan for kingdom expansion. It's a pretty exciting thing. And last week, we looked at the importance of being committed to attend the Sunday worship gathering. That was kind of, the, kind of the big first thing that we looked at. The big momentum generator is really commitment to coming here. I mean, you've, you've come today, you're here this Sunday, you've sing, you've, we've sung some songs together, we're, we're doing this message on teaching. And uh, it, it's kind of funny that last week's message was kind of like how to do church service, like how to, how to attend a church service. It's basically what it was like. And you may have attended hundreds of church services in your life. I think I'm, I'm, think I'm in like the high 800s of like number of services I've been to over the course of my life. Um, one guy, I was talking to one guy this week about uh, the content from last week, and he said it was, it was so simple and obvious, but it was really challenging and profound. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes the basics are really easy to overlook. So if you want to go back here at the start of a series, you can find that message online or on our podcast. Today, I want to talk about another power-generating aspect of our Sunday gathering. Now, there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes in order to prepare, prepare for this. You know, this thing that we get to do and we're gathered here in this way, there's, there's a lot of preparation. And then there's more work after we're done to wrap things up, clean up, to do things during the week, to be ready for next weekend. And it really takes a solid, steady crew, really a major volunteer force, to pull off what we have to do here each weekend. And it is really exciting to see it come together. So we're using this racing theme in this series to really illustrate the concept of building momentum as a church. And so in keeping with the theme, it's our, our volunteer force, in a lot of ways, is kind of like a, a pit crew for like NASCAR or Formula One. There's a, actually I have a, pit, uh, I have a clip from a pit crew that, that works together to keep their driver winning. And uh, so in the video, they break down some of the different roles and the training that's involved. And then I'm gonna draw a connection to um, how that's similar to the way church works here. So check this out. Pit crew generally consists of six people over the wall. You get about 18 half gallons of fuel flows out of the fuel rig into my hose, then into the car. Then the air jack, when I plug that hose in, all that air pressure goes through the hose into the jack, sprays the car up. Change four tires. You change your tire, put it back on, and away the car goes. And hopefully less than seven seconds if you're good. We are at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway the week before the race. Uh, we are doing pit stop practice. We are picking in shape, lifting weights, and we are prepping the car to make sure everything's perfect for the race. 
a lot of people, when they look at a pit stop, they're like, man, that looks so easy. But people don't realize sometimes the hours that we have to put in to make it look so easy. significantly. It went from probably like a seven or eight second stop to cutting it in half to like a four and a half second stop now. Slow motion. Slow, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So if you're consistent and you just go through the motions and you don't make any mistakes and you're going to be faster than somebody who goes out there and you just not going through the whole process. Well, we practice every day. We do at least five stops each. Somebody goes back and forth with the car and you just keep doing repetition and trying new things if you have an issue and work it out until you've got it perfected. My name is Jessica Mace and I am the inside rear tire changer. So there you go. That's kind of a fascinating inside scoop into racing. Any, any NASCAR fans here, by the way? Yeah, we've got a few. A few are really into that. That's obviously not NASCAR, that's Formula One, but um, you know, it's fascinating. If you've ever watched a race, any kind of driving race, you probably didn't, you, you don't think about how specialized each role is. You know, that last person, Jessica, she's the inside rear tire changer. That's, a, that's, a, that's one job. They don't go to different parts of the car. That's the one thing that they do. And you've probably never thought, you watch a race, you're like, man, I bet that pit crew, they've probably lifted weights throughout the week before now. You don't think about that. You don't think about any of the preparation that goes into that. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And the spectators would just never know. You just don't think about it. And so this video to me is, is a really interesting parallel to what we do each week as a church. And really what we see as a pattern laid out in the Bible a guest could walk into a church service like this and never once consider the hours during the week or the number of people working to get things ready, um, all that goes into the different parts of our church and the ministry. And, uh, or, or even, you know, a guest could walk in and not even think about all the people that are serving right now. There's people working, volunteering right at this very moment, and kids or out in the front or even in state in this, in this area here. So in church life, each Christ follower has a role to play in the function of the church. Every, every, if you have decided to follow Jesus, you have a role to play, a very specific, specialized role that God has gifted you for. And so take a look at this passage in a letter from one of the New, to, to one of the New Testament churches in the first century. This is from Ephesians chapter 4. And it says that, um, And he, meaning Jesus Christ himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Uh, basically, there's all these different leadership roles that Jesus has given. And he gives these roles to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Really, the leader's job in a church, a leader's job is to prepare church members like you to serve and to do ministry. Um, so really, there's these leadership equipping roles. And so we've got these roles and we equip the saints, really the church members, to do the work. It says to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of God's Son. Leaders are also tasked with bringing clarity, training, and instruction so that unity forms in our effort, in our understanding. And then it says uh, that we grow into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And we become spiritually mature and strong, really reflect Jesus and honor him with our lives. Jesus is the picture that we're modeling off of, that we're building off of. And so we measure up to him as our standard. And so there's this idea in Ephesians where these different roles, people working and serving together. And then it says in verse 14, Then we will no longer be like little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. It says verse 16, this is actually my favorite verse in this passage. From him the whole body, fit and knit together by every supporting ligament. Like just imagine different body parts working together. Bones, ligaments, tendons, you know, all these different parts working together. Uh, it promotes the growth of the body for building itself up by the proper working of each individual part. So you've got a role and some gifting and some wiring that God has given you and he's intended for you to use it so that it, we can become a fully functioning body and that we grow to become more like Christ. So this passage, it provides a powerful image of what God wants his church to look like. There's two momentum builders that I want to draw out of here and actually two momentum killers that this passage addresses. So the first momentum builder is unity with uniqueness. You see a lot about this idea of unity in this passage in Ephesians. And so what's really exciting to me is that we pull together a pretty diverse group. And here, present today, and then others that are part of our church that aren't here now, we're, we're people with different gifts, different experiences, different backgrounds and personalities, but all working together as one for a purpose that's greater than just the individual. Only in God's church can we be fully who we are meant to be and still add value. And you know what tends to happen in the world is that unity and uniqueness often don't go together very well. It's either one or the other. Groups tend to form around common either recreational habits or groups form around life stage, like, you know, uh, the moms are gathered together or those over 65 gather together or there's different life stage things that, that pull people together. And grouping like that is, is actually good for some purposes. But at church, we voluntarily gather with people that are very different from us. <laughs> We're, this is a group full of people that are so different. There's so much uniqueness even gathered in this room right now. And I love it. I love that, you know, I, I think for, I've often thought for many of you, I would never cross paths or hang out with you <laughs> if it wasn't for church. Because <laughs> I wouldn't see you or I wouldn't know you or I wouldn't have the chance to even build a friendship. But it's at church that so many different people are able to come together into something really good. Typically in the world, if people are unified, it's usually by conformity. But in Christ, we can bring our unique gifting to the table in a way that is actually helpful for the overall good. That's pretty exciting. And, and in that passage that we just read, there's different roles. As it, as it says in, in the beginning of that passage, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. But if we're being honest, this, this doesn't always come naturally to us. Sometimes, we don't always want to play our role at church, or sometimes we want to be choosy about the role that we do play. 
Um, there are some roles in church life that are more prominent. There's some roles that are, have more leadership. Some roles have more influence. And people tend to gravitate towards those, the more prominent leadership-driven ones. And that's where momentum killer number one comes in. <laughs> momentum killer is, if I can't be the star, then I'll just be a spectator. If I, can't, if I can't get the role that I want. Sometimes it can feel easier to just sit on the side and be passive or disengaged if I can't play the role that I want to play. In racing, the, really the, the media focus tends to be on the driver. You just think about the guy in the car. It's just, I mean, that's how much more is there than just the driver? He gets the spotlight. But if a race team has a star driver, it doesn't matter how good he is, if he doesn't have a pit crew <laughs> that's behind him, backing him up, things will fall apart in a hurry. So actually, I've got a video of pit crew fails. So when the pit crew doesn't come together and uh, people aren't doing the roles the way that they need to be, here's what happens. I think that tire is going to make it too. <laughs> you know, in those, in those clips, and there's a lot of those that happen, you know, I don't know if, if they weren't ready for the driver to pit, but things fall, can fall apart in crucial moments. And if you go back and analyze, you might, in any of those situations, you might, you might find multiple breakdowns. Maybe there's just not synchronization amongst some of the roles. Our unique gifts and our abilities aren't all that helpful until we sync up by serving the larger unit. Sometimes people arrive at our church with some unique giftings and maybe some really amazing past church volunteer experience. But the real power comes when we work hard to blend our gifts, talents, and abilities with strong unity, really for, for the good of the church that God is building. So there's another momentum builder, and here's this one. Strong and steady support in each role. This is something that helps us build momentum. Again, in verse 16, with all those supporting ligaments, those different roles working together, it says it promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So when each person serving in any role puts their heart and their energy into it, when people show up and they're ready to engage Man, it sets up for some major progress and gains in God's kingdom. So wherever you are, uh, wherever you serve or in the different ways that you might help out, when you, when you come, bring your A-game. Bring your energy. Bring your enthusiasm. Bring a great attitude and maybe even pray before you serve. You never know what might happen as you're serving or what opportunities or what challenges might be there. And it really makes a big difference the way that we approach it. 
And then the second momentum killer is this, envy or low value toward other roles. This actually slows us down if there's envy or if there's just a real low value placed on some of the other roles in church. And there's this really helpful passage that warns against this in 1 Corinthians, where Paul is, uh, so the imagery that he's using is of a, of a body, again, so, so different body parts, you know, muscles, bones, arms, eyes, feet, nose. So here's what he says. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, well, would it make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I, just, I love thinking about that. We're, we're, we're a unit, we're a body, and God has put each part right where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. In fact, some of the body parts that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. That's interesting. Some, some of those, those low visibility, not very prominent roles in the church are actually very, very important. It says, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. This to me is very encouraging. It's, how, it's exciting the way that God has put us together with so much intention. And any of those thoughts that Paul mentions at the beginning can really kill momentum. If he, if he says like, oh, we, we need that person. We don't really need that person though. Or that person's role is insignificant. They're not pulling their weight. They're not doing all that much. Or this role is way more important. Any of those thoughts really kill momentum for a church. If we entertained those for too long, we would probably cease to exist. <laughs> there wouldn't be very many churches with that kind of attitude going on. The church is known as the body of Christ, and it's interconnected. We're dependent on others just as they depend on us. So we have to be knit together in order to build lasting momentum. And it's really encouraging to see the way that God has designed us. And so we're going to bring all of this down to a really practical level. Some things that maybe you can even take some action on. And we're not racing cars, <laughs> but we are driving on the track that God has laid out before us. He's put a path for us to be on. And uh, that's why we've named this message, Join the Crew. So you can join the crew. Here's some crew best practices. Here's one practical step you can consider even this week. It's to flip my perspective to serve, not to be served. So this is actually a pretty good starting point. This is actually no matter how long that you've been a Christian, no matter how many times you've been to church, this actually is something that we can all apply <laughs> more and more. Um, this, this deserves our attention. This is a a time when Jesus spoke to his disciples about leadership and position. And he shared some things that would flip their perspective. And he says in Mark 10, whoever wants to be, become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, that's a title for himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many 
So Jesus knew how easy it is for people to walk into a situation and say, how can I be served here? <laughs> how can I get my goals met here? How can, what's good for me? I'm just going to go in and I'm going to come when I want to. I'm going to leave when I want to. It's so easy for us to do that. Especially, it's actually especially easy for people who have position and leadership and influence to do that. Because if I'm the leader, or if I'm in charge, and I can arrange things how I want them to be. That's especially why Jesus was talking about leadership. In this passage, Jesus is saying, he said, my mission was to be a servant. He served people tirelessly during the three years of his personal ministry. He healed, he ministered, he listened, he wiped the dusty feet of his disciples. He would be available from sun up to well past sundown. And the peak of his service was his death, of course. He voluntarily laid down his life as a ransom. That word appears in this verse. And actually, that word only occurs twice in the New Testament. And it means the price of release. It would refer to the payment, in effect, to release captives from bondage. And so every person on the planet is under God's judgment and held captive by the power of sin and death. And no one has the ability to free themselves. Jesus' substitutionary death is what paid the price for people to have freedom from sin and death. Jesus' death didn't set the whole world free, but many have found freedom through his ransom, through his ultimate act of service. And many of us here have been rescued by Jesus. And what's most amazing about this act of sacrifice is that the God of the entire universe, who became flesh and blood, what he was entitled to be served. I mean, if there was anybody who could have made a claim for himself, if anybody deserved to be served, certainly it was Jesus. But he said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. Boy, man, that came at a great cost to our Savior, him living out that mission. And his disciples did it too. Amazingly, they served other people too. Not right away. It actually took his followers a little bit of time. They squabbled about things for a little bit, as I probably would have. But eventually they got it. His followers got it. They saw his example and they followed. And because of him, because of them, those early followers embracing that lifestyle of service, man, we're still enjoying the blessing today. Those first few hundred years of Christianity was all about putting the needs of others first. And that servant lifestyle, it shined brightly in a very dark and pagan culture. So if you've become a Christ follower, you've been set free from sin and death, but it came at a great cost. Can you imagine what it would be like if we all followed Jesus' example of serving, just walking into a situation, not, not to be served? I mean, how could we do anything less out of gratitude? I actually know, I know it's pretty easy to walk into a church and without thinking about it, ask, what's in it for me? I visited my sister's church this summer. We went to go visit some family in New York, and um, she's a part of a great church out there, her and her family. And um, I walked in, and the first question on my mind was, where's the coffee? <laughs> I was thinking, like, they should have coffee here, right? Like, I, that, was, that was what I, I wanted to know, what, where the good stuff was. I, was, I walked in like a consumer. <laughs> And imagine if every person walked in here just wanting to be served. I'm not sure we could pull off a church service if that was the case. 
Here's the way that we flip our perspective. When we walk into church, we can mentally tell ourselves as I go through the doors, I did not come here to be served. This morning I came here to serve. That would be following the example that Jesus set. And what's so inspiring and encouraging to me that how many people live that out? How many people every seven days live that out? I'm so grateful for the many people that do serve at Valley Lights with that Christ-like mindset, simply to be a servant. There's a pro tip, by the way, if you're married, I'd recommend applying this in your marriage. Flip this. I'm here in my marriage to serve, not to be served. Imagine the difference <laughs> if that was the attitude of marriage. It would, man, it, would, it changes everything. Not, not to be served. But Jesus expects this attitude really in all of our relationships, especially the ones that are closest to us. So I want to actually share another video of, of some people from Valley Lights that, are, that share about their experience volunteering here and people that have decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to serve. So you can hear what they say. It's exciting to hear. I'm sure there's more stories that many of you could share along those lines. And you might have noticed a theme in that video where people, their relationships deepened as they helped out and served, that there's like this sense of community and this thing that just kind of draws you in as, you, as we're teaming together. And that's, that's part of it. That's actually a, a, a great side benefit is the way that you really get to know people and deepen your relationships while serving. And I've actually noticed the opposite is true as well, where sometimes people might attend a church for a period of time, and if people don't eventually start serving and volunteering in some way on Sundays, they tend to just drift out of Sunday gathering. And it might not even be 
because there's a problem or there's an offense or anything like that, it just, there's something about us engaging and taking apart and actually getting ownership of it that really helps bond and glue us together. So there's another application you might consider today as well, besides that one of flipping your perspective. It's this, keep flexible when changes are introduced. So sometimes we're gonna change what we're doing. <laughs> so things, things might happen, we may have done it one way before and we're doing it a different way, different way now. Um, actually recently NASCAR changed from five lug nuts on their tire to one. So before you, you, know, you hear those guys go now it's just one big <laughs> And um, this is because, actually you see a photo of it here, they, uh, they increased the standard wheel size for NASCAR and they, what they needed was a larger, stronger center fastener that could hold up under the high speed conditions with the, that larger wheel. And uh, I would just, I'm, I don't know, but I would just guess that some of the original pit crew guys, like the old salty guys from before, like, no, we can't do this. No, like, you know, you're changing, you're changing the whole game. Like, no, go back to the way it was, the late adopters. But you know what? In a similar way, as we grow, <laughs> as we increase momentum, we may need to make adjustments that allow us to sustain that growth and that the things, the adjustments to, to really keep moving as technology improves it may require new skills or equipment for our volunteers um, or as security concerns increase that might require more safety procedures or background checks um, the style of worship music it changes and band members may miss playing some of the old things or want to play just a certain kind um, that might change recently we launched uh, some discipleship groups for men and women at our church and uh, Along the way, we needed to split the groups due to group size. Actually, kind of near the beginning, we needed to split. But once you like something the way it is, it's, it's hard to embrace something different. If you get your idea and your mind around something and you're like, oh no, we're making, they're making a change. This is not what I want. Um, but many of you have really gotten practice at flexibility at Valley Lights because we've changed our locations numerous times. Um, we go from being outside to portable, going to a hotel, or um, going to more permanent space, or we had to keep re-envisioning kids' zone classes and how to keep them safe and all the equipment. That, we just have to keep changing things over and over again. And we may actually potentially move again in 2023. There, that, a move might be on the horizon. Um, and as, so as we grow and as things change, we've got to remain flexible and adaptable. Um, that attitude from Mark 10:45, coming to serve, not to be served, really helps with this. If our, if our approach is to serve, remaining flexible comes a little easier. Another application to consider today is to explore serving on a ministry team. And I want to invite Mitchell, actually, to come on up and, and help me with this section here. And he's going to grab a microphone, by the way. Um, Mitchell is going to share about some of our current opportunities for serving on ministry teams. We have a, a bunch of different teams that people help out with week to week. And so, um, would you, do you mind telling us a little bit about that? No, not at all. Go ahead. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Um, so each Sunday, we currently have about 25 to 30 people who help us out and volunteer regularly. And so that is actually 60 to 70% of the people that come and are here on Sunday mornings. And that means that in order for us to have a successful church service on Sunday morning, we need most people, or the majority of people present, 
to help us serving, to be helping us serve in some way. And so week after week, it takes a really big group of people to do what's needed. Uh, people who are willing to sacrifice one of their two days off to come here early in the morning to help us get started, to um, really um, serve in a way that other people can benefit from. And I'm actually really deeply grateful for a lot of the service that they're doing. It's, it's been great to be able to be a part of that. Um, but we hope that everyone would get to experience kind of this growth activation that happens when you volunteer and you team with us to accomplish God's mission here at Valley Lights. And so I'm inviting you to check out one of our volunteer teams. You'll see a little um, snippet of this in your message notes as well. Some of the teams we have are hospitality. They do things like greeting guests when they come in the door, they help out with refreshments, or even some of our mid-service things like ushering. We have a facilities team that helps put out road signs, they help us with safety in the morning, as well as kind of setting up or um, looking over equipment. We have our sight and sound team, which helps, helps us have a sharp worship service, things like um, our visuals, our sound, um, things like that. And then our worship band up here as well. Um, Kid zone, teachers check in, all of that. And then the midweek team that helps us with a variety of responsibilities from shopping, to running errands, to doing some like information processing. And all of these teams, they need more people. Um, in fact, 10 volunteers, 10 more volunteers, would be a huge help um, to keep us moving forward on the mission that we're on right now. Um, and so me saying that means that there's a place for you to serve on one of these teams. Um, and so here's a couple ways that you might check out one of those teams. On your connection card, you can fill out your information and you can actually check that volunteer box to let us know that you're interested. Um, you could even write the name of one of those teams that you, you wanna check out. Um, otherwise, um, I'll get in touch with you um, and kind of I'll let you know kind of what the greatest need is and try to get you plugged in that way. Or if you'd like, you can just talk to me after service. I'll be standing at the next step, next steps table just right in the back there by the doors. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to include all of you on our teams. If you have any questions today, again, I'll be back there to answer any of those. But yeah, I look forward to um, having some of you hop on our volunteer teams. Thank you. Thanks, Mitchell. Yeah, so Mitchell has been helping us out with um, organizing our volunteer teams, helping get leaders put in place, and that has been a huge help. Um, there are other ways to serve, uh, even beyond what he's just listed here, but Sundays, some of these things related to Sundays, usually the, uh, a great typical first pl uh, way to get involved. Um, and actually, some of you serve on multiple teams, <laughs> and uh, because of our need, there have been plenty of times when someone gets a call from two different team leaders to serve that Sunday. They're like, no, I just got called by the other person. Like, what should I do now? And um, so sometimes we just figure it out and put people in slots as we, as we can. Um, if you check in uh, with Mitchell, you can, you can try out a team. You can get started on one of those. And uh, some people are only able to volunteer sporadically. That's okay. That's actually still pretty helpful. And um, it's great to allow people to, to, to pitch in wherever possible. For others, you might consider one final next step that I'm going to mention. This is one thing that can help us build momentum as a church, and it's to commit to a volunteer rotation. Most of our teams have a month-on, month-off rotation where you serve in that role every Sunday for a whole month. And then the next month, you're able to attend church. Um, since people have a variety of schedules and availabilities, and we've got people serving in different areas, 
our, we have like this master sheet that Mitchell and I and, and Brent and some others and, uh, that we share. It's like a Google document, but it kind of feels like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle <laughs> because we got all the Sundays and all the teams and different people moving around and then somebody changes or, you know, it's, you know, we just get that figured out. All that to say, it would help us a lot if we had a solid core of volunteers to bring stability through the fall season that we're going into. Dependable teams are like a solid pit crew, you know, like a well-oiled, trained team. All the tire changes are in their places. It keeps it running smooth. I, I, I don't know if you caught in that video, that young guy, he's like, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Like, it took me a minute to like figure out what that meant, but I'm like, yeah, that's, that, that makes sense. I, I'd say commitment is smooth, and smooth for us means great gains as a church. And so for those of you that already do this, in fact, many of you already are on monthly. Actually, some of you are on more than that. <laughs> Even more. Most Sundays, you're just here helping out. Um, for those of you that do that, thank you so much. It really brings stability and blessing to so many people. Really appreciate that. So we're going to do this. We're actually trying to uh, get in place a volunteer rotation through December. And that, so that would mean if you joined a monthly rotation, that would mean either serving September and November or October and December. Um, and uh, I'm actually I'm looking forward to this fall season coming up. We summers, uh, especially for smaller churches, tend to be a little more unpredictable. A lot of people traveling, going on vacations. But once we kind of get back into September and school starts again and kind of more routine start again, there tends to be an uptick in people being interested in coming back to church or getting more consistent. And I really think that God's going to bring more people. I think there's going to be an opportunity really for us to grow and leverage the fall season and some of that natural momentum that happens in the calendar of most people's schedules. So I'm really excited about what God's going to bring. If you want to commit to a rotation, write that word on your connection card. Write the word rotation. Um, maybe you're already on a team or there's one that you'd like to join. Let it, just let us know on that. So if you want to try it out, talk to Mitchell, or if you want to commit to a rotation, just let us know. Um, one other exciting development right now is that since we're growing, we're developing another layer on our ministry teams. So we've got these team, we're, so we're uh, establishing some new team leaders who oversee captains for those months, and they also recruit volunteers for the teams and get people scheduled. And to me, that's really exciting because there's some real leadership training and, and just personal development that's beginning to happen as we grow and as the organization gets more complex. It reminds me of that passage in Ephesians where people step up to play their roles and the whole body grows. So when church members go from spectators to engaged participants, it makes a huge difference. As people commit, their relationships deepen, and their heart expands for what we're doing. So volunteering can help you experience personal momentum. There's ways that you can benefit and grow like in Ephesians 4.13, it says, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And along with that, volunteering can help us increase church-wide momentum. There's a real joy that comes through playing a consistent part in a local church. In that verse in Ephesians 4.16, from, from him, from Jesus, the whole body, fit and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Here's a picture of a pit crew celebration. This is at the end of a race. 
And, uh, you know, whenever we see a Sunday come together or we see a big victory happen at church or, or there's some way that we've accomplished something, we've worked together as a team, there's a sweetness unlike anything that we can do on our own. There's a sense of camaraderie and celebration and excitement. I think that's actually sometimes why people tend to hang out for quite a while after services are over on Sundays. So I invite you to join the crew. Join the crew. And I'm really excited also about the next topic that we're going to be talking about next Sunday in this series. There's, just, there's another unique way that God has arranged your life to make a major difference at church. God has put you on a path, and he's put people around you, and you can leverage your influence to spark some life change and really help our church grow. So you'll hear more about that next week. If you come on back, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for growing the body here, and I thank you that you've intentionally crafted each of us with gifting and wiring and ability, and that you allow us to play a part. That actually, there's so much excitement and blessing that comes from being an engaged participant. So would you allow our church to grow? Would you provide um, uh, more people and resources for this church to grow into something that, that is continually pleasing to you? Thank you for the opportunities to reach more people this fall. I pray that you would use our relationships and our connections and um, uh, to, to attract more people who, who are far from you, that don't know you, to find new life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.